I'm Laura. And I'm Georgiana. And this is Decanterbury Tales. So I would like to start this episode out with a compliment to Laura. <laughs> Your makeup looks really good right now. Like you look really pretty. Thank you. You're like really pretty. Like you're like really pretty. Oh my God. And I know nobody can see you right now, but I had to let them know that you look really pretty and you're smizing like Tyra. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we went, um, well, two things. First of all, thank you. Second of all, there are no makeup rules because my eyeshadow is also my blush. My blush is also my eyeshadow today because I didn't like the idea of not having I just wanted it to match and it it's working for me so it looks very sun-kissed yeah there are no rules <laughs> just I had this blush and I was like I want this also on my eyelids so that's what I did and it works it's like a orangey rust color it's nice um and it's my friend's today we she had her dress fitting for her wedding so I did my makeup to look pretty because I feel oh. A little dead inside. Uh, Do tell. I got vaccinated, woody woo, and I got the J&J, which however you feel about vaccines, I don't care. I got the J&J because I needed to be vaccinated, fully vaccinated within two weeks, and that's the only way to do it. So I had a deadline, and so bit the bullet, did the J&J. Not awful, honestly. I think actually some people that I know have had way worse symptoms than I'm having. I just feel like, ugh. Well, it was worse last night, but it honestly, in terms of like, quote unquote, bad reactions, I don't think I'm having a bad reaction. I think this is just normal side effects. Well, sorry you feel subpar, but congrats on your vaccination status. Welcome to the club. Yay. I know. I know. It took me forever, but I finally did it. So yay. The only reason I got done is Walgreens called my work and told me that they were had vaccines that were going to expire. So if you wanted to come get vaccinated, they could get me in today. And so I went in, got it done on my lunch break. And then two weeks later, went in, got it done on my lunch break. So that is the only reason it, uh, it worked the way I did and I got it done so quick. So yeah, my work did not have any, um, fun things like that. In fact, I, that actually is part of the reason that I kept pushing it off was family and work obligations. I didn't want to get it done on a busy weekend where I had like work obligations or anything. So I didn't have anything work related today. So we decided yesterday, um, earlier last week that yesterday was the day because we could, if we needed to stay in bed all day today, if we needed to. So, so but you, you know, didn't, you it. went and errand did and you put makeup on your face. I did. I put makeup on and everything. Yeah, I also really like the way my eyebrows look right now. I started a, it's a gel. Oh, I love a gel. Yeah, I'm new to the gel life. And uh, the gel brow is really working for you. It is. If you see me raising my eyebrows at you in the camera over and over again. (laughs) If, If I looked better, I would take a picture of you raising your eyebrows for the gram. But I just got off a 10-hour shift, so I'm not... Bless um, you. You do you. I'm not photographable right now. That's okay. Neither am I most times. I feel like my hair is like alfalfaing right now. That's a fun look. I do like your little little wispy baby hairs are having a good day right now. 
I'm pretty sure that these are from when I took scissors to my head as a child. And um, this is how much my hair has grown back. I feel like that's not possible. I don't know. That's what I tell myself because it's a good story. It is a good story. It was a fun one. And then these down here, we got um, school mandated drug testing at my high school. Um, and I was at your not- school. Yeah. And so I, I was a very good kid. And so they knew I was uh, clean. And so they liked to drug test me a lot. So I would uh, have a positive review. And so I say that these bottom hairs at the bottom are all my drug testing hairs, which is possibly true. Or I'm just, I just don't wow. have hair. <laughs> Anyway, that's the stories about my hair. It's really not interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a little interesting. Anyway, how are you? Any updates? Um, I ripped my pants today. <laughs> Do tell. I, I you haven't told me this yet. <laughs> I have a pair of pants that I love, the magic pants. And I had ripped them previously, so I sewed them up and it's a repeat offender yeah today was the day that the my stitching did not hold and it pulled up my pants and I yanked a giant hole in the waistband and so waistband though it could be worse oh there's like there's like a hole forming on the butt seam too but thank god that's not the one that ripped today but I think that this means the end of my pants I think I have to let them go replacement but I don't know if I'm going to find another pair of pants I like so much. Can you not just find those pants? I can. I'll just have them shipped to me. Okay. I was about to say, I was like, can't you just replace the ones you have? I can. I'm just lazy. Are they the Yvonne pants? They're the Yvonne pants. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. need a pair. I borrowed my mom's once. There's a designer in New Orleans, Yvonne LeFleur, and she has these magic pants. And they're the greatest pants in the world. They are the most slimming pants on the planet. They really, I, everyone looks good in them. She ships cross country. So plug for Yvonne LaFleur. Go get Check out the magic blog. pants. <laughs> Stretchy pants. They're amazing. Um, yeah. That's it. That's, you know, it's just been, we've just been busy. Busy at work. Busy at home. Um... Prepping for Comic-Con in New Orleans. We're doing the cosplay competition at MechaCon. So I've just been building costume stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, this right here. It looks like a tube. Very difficult to build. Very not easy. But it's a little arm gauntlet for the outfit that's supposed to look like you've seen how train your dragon Mm -hmm. you know how like the dragons have like rounded arms they're like trunk like Mm -hmm. so that is supposed to mimic the shape of their forearms and then i made all these little claws little claws right here um out of foam to glue on them so it'll have little claws across the front and these will be painted obviously but like I don't know. It's exciting, and I've not built something this involved ever, so it's exciting, and I hope 
at least people like it at the very least I hope people like it at the most I hope we win Uh (laughs) well good on you for being so creative I would uh not not my strong point so I'm very proud of you and impressed with you thank you I just go for the laughs I just dress in a nude onesie so nothing in the world will ever make me happier it was my gift to you. Happy birthday. Thank you. Georgiana dressed up. I'm sorry, we have to fill in the blanks here. Georgiana is not a costume person. And I'm a big costume person, if you can't tell. And for my birthday, we went to a Comic-Con and Georgiana went and we did Kim Possible and She Go. And she was trying to come up with a character. And she was Rufus, the naked mole rat. But uh, and, bueno nacho version. Bueno nacho. And with- I wore a sombrero, a nude bodysuit, and we painted uh, buck teeth on my chin. And <laughs> that I feel feel like I told this story because I also feel like I've told people that I told uh, AJ Mashaka that potential breakup song was a vibe. So if this is a repeat story, that's the same thing. So know that I told her that dressed as Rufus. That's what we all needed to hear. That's what we all need. And if I have told that, maybe you needed reminding. Maybe you're a new listener and haven't made it that far. Yep. Anywho, well, I can't wait to see the finished product of what you're doing. It's going to be cool. I hope so. I'm a little anxious because I have a lot to do and I only have two weeks. So you got it. You gonna crush it. Thanks. Anywho. What are you reading, watching, listening to? Quick rundown. Still reading A Gentleman in Moscow. Plan to knock some of that out today and tomorrow. Watching my usual Grey's Anatomy, Downton Abbey, Fear the Walking Dead, The Walking Dead, but added the Goldbergs for a laugh. All right. And listening, haven't been podcasting, but have been trying to find some new jams. And I'm really not impressed with the new music of the age. And um, so if you have any good suggestions, please let me know. I girl music is popular right now and I don't like it. I just I put on the 70s and 80s station after feeling my discouragement. So can relate. Yeah. What about you? Um, I'm still reading the guest list. Uh, I've not gotten far. And watching we're watching this is a robbery which is that netflix documentary about the biggest art heist in america cool. very interesting really digging it it's in uh it's from boston it's unsolved too add to watch list yeah they it's like they stole like a rembrandt and like really really like irreplaceable works of art but it's about like the seedy underbelly of the art world which is cool it's called this is a robbery I'm enjoying that. Uh, listening to still the usual. I'm like I'm a pretty steady listener of um, that's messed up and SVU podcast, wine and crime, my favorite murder. They're all true crime based. But I've also been trying to find new music, actually, oddly enough, and I've started my Alexa to play just like chill vibes music I did find actually okay I did find something if you're looking for good background music just to like vibe to uh lo-fi girl on YouTube does live streaming on YouTube a lot 
uh, for her music. And so it's very like chill vibe. There's a bunch of different options, but I did the one for like, it says for work or studying or something, but it's really nice to have, like, I'll put it on in the background while I'm working on costume stuff. Cool. I highly well, recommend. We'll link that in the bio. Cause I would like to listen to that myself. Yeah. Lo-fi girl. Cool. On YouTube. But yeah, so we have a treat today, an exciting treat. We have the author of Astrid Sees All, we, Natalie Standiford. We got to interview Natalie Standiford. And it's a fun, it's a fun story. Um, our July pick is Astrid Sees All. And I really enjoyed this interview. I think it was fun. It was a little bit different than something that we've done before. We kind of had more of a book club discussion with her than we have with some of our other authors. So this was definitely a different take on our author interview, but I really enjoyed it. I did too. I had a lot of questions and I know you had a lot of questions. So I feel like we needed to delve a little bit more. We went in. Deep. We did. Any, I, I enjoyed it. I love talking to her. I loved her book. And I hope y'all enjoy it as much as we did. Yeah. So enjoy our interview with the author of Astrid Sees All. Natalie Standiford. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for being on the show. And uh, we're excited to have you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes. So Astrid Sees All was phenomenal. We loved it. I kind of felt a Girls by Emma Klein vibe mixed with My Year of Rest and Relaxation by that the whole time I just and both of those books I flew through. So I just it propelled me along. So thank you. Th thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's so never a dull fun. moment with Astrid Cezal. No. Oh, man. I was. So our first question pertains to the fact that most of your previous novels have been YA young adult and Astrid Cezal is very adult. And what made you want to make this transition? And can we expect more adult novels in the future? Um. Well, I am working on a new adult novel now. So yes. <laughs> um, I, I, I think what happened was like, I've written books that are set in elementary school, in middle school, high school, and even one of my YAs is set in college. So it just felt like, well, this is right after college. I don't know, I guess I'm sort of gradually going through the stages of life. <laughs> and writing about them bit by bit. So um, that's- Connected timeline. Yeah, it just felt like that's what I wanted to write about next. Um, and then my next book is, a, they're gonna be a little bit older, like late twenties, early thirties. Um, Relating. I would say like your writing is very vivid and colorfully depicted. Like we can see the, the picture that you're painting through your words. So do you feel that maybe some of your work for younger readers led to that proclivity to have very descriptive and vivid writing? Yeah, and I think, um, as you said, like never a dull moment. I think that is something that for children's books, you really don't wanna bore them. So it, it's a habit I picked up from writing children's books. It's just, you know, keep things going and, 
keep the reader entertained, always to think about who is the reader? What do they know? What do they expect? What do they like? Um, so you get that rapid fire plot points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I, I felt like I was there. I felt I was a fly on the wall in the club. I wanted Astrid to tell my fortune. I was, I was there, I was hanging out. And so kind of, we kind of have a discussion, if you will. We have a bunch of questions that kind of piggyback on each other. Which so, we've never done that before that are so like, we had just a bunch of questions pertaining to the same subjects. So we're like, let's have like a mini section. We, we have to know everything. Okay. <laughs> so how would you describe Phoebe and Carmen's friendship? In our opinion, Phoebe kind of seems more like a project for Carmen, a friend of convenience, while Phoebe is very invested in their friendship, creating it, maintaining it. And so are they actually friends, in your opinion? That's a good question. Um, I do think Phoebe wants things from Carmen, and I think Carmen senses that. Um, and Carmen doesn't really need Phoebe until she does. Um, so I think they are friends. It's just that it's kind of off and on that they're both a little bit unreliable and they both sometimes put themselves first. Um, it's just rocky, but I think it is a real friendship. Real friendship. And then that leads or... to- or <laughs> or are they more than friends? They have that kind of late night drunken, not now, will they, won't they moment at their apartment. And it seems that their respective relationships with Jem have more to do with each other than the actual male in the relationships. Can you provide some insight to our speculations here? <laughs> that is a very good observation, especially about Jem. I do think Jim is, he kind of acts as a connector between them. And uh, Phoebe wants, I think she likes Jim a lot because he's Carmen's, he likes Carmen and Carmen likes him. And it's a way of getting to Carmen. Um, I think that Phoebe, she's sort of obsessed with Carmen and that's, she, maybe doesn't have a boundary there in terms of what's a sexual feeling, what's a friendship feeling, what is love, what kind of love is it? She doesn't really know. There's this boundarylessness about it. And um, I don't think Carmen necessarily feels that way about her. So I think Carmen resists her. She's not really against the idea of making out with a girl, but she's just not, doesn't want to do it with Phoebe. And maybe she knows that doing that with your roommate could cause problems. <laughs> but- um, Seems like something Carmen would know. <laughs> so I think to Phoebe, it is maybe more than a friendship, just in the sense that ev like everything's just bigger to her. Kind of talking about the characters that Phoebe, I was like almost this relationship with Jem is just another way to possess Carmen. Like she's so possessive of Carmen, even down to like her jacket. Like right. every little thing about her, she just has to like have. 
she wants to be her, I think, because she doesn't know who she is herself. And I'm hoping that over the course of the novel, she's figuring out who she is. And they, maybe by the end, she thinks, oh, do I really want to be Carmen? Um, Carmen is not really that happy. Um, <laughs> so and, I And Carmen has, Carmen has her own problems. And I feel like maybe because she experiences that grief, she feels like maybe being Carmen would be an escapism from her own reality. Mm. But then she realizes that maybe not. She's got her own problems. Yeah, Carmen has huge problems. Mm -hmm. um, and Phoebe, you know, she can't really escape her grief. She's got to face it. So. And honestly, that, um, that idea that her dad always said, look out the window and look <laughs> at everybody else and try to figure out having, who's having a worse day. That is something I talk about all the time. I always say I'm watching Criminal Minds because it makes me feel better that they're guaranteed to have a worse day than I am. That was like a very, like very poignant part. And I told Laura and she's like, I know I read it. And I thought of you saying that all the time. So we literally talked about this on the podcast. <laughs> I think I heard that. I think I heard that episode. Maybe the Sarah Penner one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know why. It's morbid, but it's true. It's true. And um I do that too. I like to watch like Joan Crawford movies or Betty Davis movies, especially Joan Crawford. Something terrible is always happening to her. Where she <laughs> <laughs> I, and I guess it's that, that human nature in us that's just like, mm, okay, it could be worse. We'll be all yeah. right. It's we'll like need right. to like commiserate as well and just it's like a catharsis in our media. Yeah, it's funny how it feels like an escape in a way, even though you're wallowing in it. I don't know. It's a strange human thing. We also, these questions kind of lead to the great debate that Laura <laughs> and I have had with this book is that Laura sees a glimmer of hope for their friendship post rehab. Uh -huh. you, on the other hand, think that that letter said it all, goodbye. So what do you think? That's a good question. And to be honest, I haven't, I didn't really answer it. I got them to that point and I thought, okay, then it's up to them now, <laughs> whatever <laughs> happens in their imaginary world. If I, if I had to guess, like if I pretend I'm a reader reading the book, I think there is a glimmer of hope. I think Carmen did yeah. cut her off, <laughs> but I, I think Carmen does that and she doesn't always mean it when she does that, or if not forever, she thinks she does. But then, you know, if, if she needs Phoebe again, or if Phoebe comes back and she's more mature and Carmen likes her, or if Carmen becomes more mature, they could maybe be friends again, depending on where their lives go. Good talk that they have quite the toxic friendship. <laughs> Phoebe is like the worst enabler ever. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a huge, huge true crime junkie. Like, love it. Most of the podcasts I listen to are true crime based. Uh, why weave true crime into Phoebe and Carmen's narrative with like the rooster man? 
this is a praise. I was like, oh, there's a mystery. There's a <laughs> I'm so excited about it. But uh, why weave that story into like into their story? So you are aware that it comes from a true story. Yes, we researched that. Because um, a lot of people don't think that I made that up and I'm really not that sick that I can make that up. Um, I think it's partly because I remember that guy from when I lived in the East Village and I remember that story when it happened. And I even have like a little backstory. Um, when I was living in the East Village, my younger brother came to visit me and he was out wandering around and he came home and said, the weirdest thing just happened. I was going into a bodega and this guy with a rooster on his shoulder stopped me. And he said, hey man, will you buy me a sack of potatoes? And my brother thought, well, a sack of potatoes, I mean, what? that's not gonna hurt anybody. It's not like a bottle of vodka or something. So he said, okay. And he gave the guy the potatoes. And then not long afterwards, we heard about this, this killer who was known for having a rooster on his shoulder who had killed his girlfriend, chopped her up, boiled her into a soup that he fed to homeless people in Tompkins Square Park. <laughs> and my brother and I were thought, oh my God, did you buy the potatoes for the soup? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's insane. I'm glad yeah. you put that in there. Like, that's, well, it's such that's a weird thing. Make up. Yeah, so I didn't make up that part really, but. <laughs> I mean, if you had genius, but that's so messed up. I know, so so one reason I put it in is because I just I really wanted to use that story. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, this the East Village is a lot less dangerous than it used to be, but it was dangerous. And so I just wanted to get that feeling across that, um, Phoebe's not always thinking about what she's doing, but she's taking risks and they're real risks when she walks around at night or even just living there um, was dangerous, so. And it, it, it kind of immerses you in the time period of yes, we're young, we're wild and free, but with that, like you, to your point, does come that danger. And I guess it makes you kind of feel the setting more so, so. Yeah. yeah. Also, I've had experiences where, you know, when I, like some, somebody would approach me and somehow I would get rid of them. But when I would look back on it, I would be scared. Like, oh my God, what could have happened? And that happened a lot when I was younger. And so I just thought it's part of being a young woman in a way. That's so true, sad but true. Sad but true. <laughs> sad but true, I know. That's the whole, like, when you're young, you feel like you're invincible. And I feel like that's a whole part of the, like, Carmen and Phoebe and their friends and that kind of interwoven. Like, they deal with a drug kingpin in the first, like, three chapters. They're like, yeah, I got arrested. We're going to take his apartment. No big deal. <laughs> It'll be fine. Well, I think that's Carmen. She's the one that has the bravado and who knows how things work. And, you know, she's the city girl. And that's one reason that Phoebe looks up to her because she knows how to get around, how to get by and make it in the city. The street smarts. She's New York. Yeah. Right. Even though she yeah. grew up, you know, in this fancy family 
in this fancy neighborhood, but she went downtown and fell in love with the junkie and learned what that was, that world was about. So another part that kind of contributed to the setting, the time period is the music, which is just fantastic. And so do tell for personal reasons, we need to know is Phoebe an ABBA girl? And if so, what song would be her go-to living room dance party song? And for some reason, I dream for this book to become a musical. Oh. Do, you, do you see that in the future? I would love that. Um, but do you mean a musical with original songs or Absolutely. with like this <laughs> sort of like Rent except grittier maybe? Grittier or if we want to do inserting the real songs in the playlist that you created into it and singing it and making it plot points. I just, I, I'm waiting for everybody to break out in song and costume. Yeah, They're already in costumes. Jem's a literal disco ball. <laughs> like. Um, well, yeah, I, I did listen to that playlist when I was writing and I would dance around to some of those songs when I took breaks because, you know, I was in my twenties and the eighties and I did listen to all those songs. And I'm happy to hear you say that because I did kind of want to write like the book version of a long music video of all those songs. I think I'd rather have a movie with a soundtrack with the songs okay. than original soundtrack, but I would take anything. <laughs> you do um, like across the universe style where they've got like the actual songs. Oh yeah, but they re-record them. Mm -hmm. That would be cool. I don't think Phoebe's an ABBA person because I, I think of ABBA as more 70s. And I think Phoebe, you know, she's more New Order, The mm -hmm. Clash. I think she's a little bit edgier. She's less poppy. She try, yes. or she's trying to be edgier. <laughs> right. So if she stayed in Baltimore, maybe she would like ABBA? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Do you really Maybe like I ABBA? Was, I love ABBA. I always try yeah, to make really ABBA, ABBA fans. <laughs> I love ABBA now, but at the time I just didn't take, I mean, when I was a teenager, I don't know, they just seemed like background music to me, but it was just always on. Yeah. But I do I love them now. On the topic of Phoebe being edgier, I did have an idea when I was thinking, I've been doing some research on wines and, uh, it's summer, so I hate pairing like a red wine with books, but I feel like I'm going to because I feel like Phoebe's like a Riesling girl, but would order a Merlot to feel like sophisticated at a party. And that's just like what I was like, I cannot not do a red wine for this book. Am I right? Yes, you're right. <laughs> I actually was thinking about, cause I thought you might ask about wines and I was thinking about wines. I like wine. <laughs> and one wine that I like, do you, have you ever had um, a Cabernet Franc? It's I love. the kind that you yeah. can, you can kind of chill it for summer. It's a good summer red. I like them too. Love do you think it tastes Franc. like, um, kind of like vegetables? Even though I don't <laughs> like vegetables that much, but I, <laughs> I usually get a real peppery quality oh, when yeah. I have a get a cab bronc so I guess that's the vegetable or the way I process that that flavor but yeah I love it I I'm a big fan one of my favorites I had was up in a vineyard in Canada Ooh. Uh, 
and they're known for their sweet wines, but they did just a beautiful Cab Franc that I will remember to this day living in infamy as my mind is the, the cream of the crop Cab. Wow. Can you get it here? You can't. No, no. I have to go back to Canada, which I'll go back to Canada. Canada's <laughs> great. We'll send you. More expensive. <laughs> <laughs> So, and I, yeah, as we were diving in, I was thinking about, because we do try to like kind of pair wines intentionally, either based on a character or a vibe or something around the book. So that's kind of where I was starting is that I think I did want to lean in. And I also just think the book, just even from a cover standpoint, just pairs with a red. And I think that's what we're, we're going to give the people a red this month. I think that's where we're going. It's time. That makes sense to me. I agree. <laughs> that cover is so sexy, by the way. We are, that's the first thing that Lara said, go get the book, the cover. Yeah. Oh, the cover. It the is, cover. it's a great cover. It's, um, the photograph is um, taken by a guy, I, I can't remember his name. It's like, anyway, he was a street photographer mm -hmm. and he found a bunch of old photos he had taken in the 70s and 80s of New York street scenes um, in a drawer somewhere. And this is one of the ones that he found. So it is from the 80s, like two girls in New York sitting on a car. Um, oh, wow. A real That's street really scene. Cool. Yeah. That's but then it's got that great pink overlay and everything. Yeah. yeah, we've been having a lot of fun. If anything, our listeners can say we've uh, upgraded their bookshelf game. But like <laughs> everyone's bookshelf is now like just beautiful. <laughs> like, we're not going to give you guys an ugly cover. We know that much. <laughs> we love a good book with a great cover. We can't help it. Just, Covers so, are very important. Well, it's they say don't judge a book by its cover, but it's your first impression. So you've got to have that eye-catching cover and yours your astrid sees all did it it caught us we bought it we loved it it was it was easy to love <laughs> i'm glad to hear that it does really pop the cover it does it really does why of all famous human beings jfk jr of all uh, famous people <laughs> because he was in my class in college so <laughs> so a lot of the Brown stuff, I did go to Brown and it's made up, but the atmosphere of it or the way I felt, cause I like Phoebe. Okay, first I wanna say the book is not autobiographical. There's, <laughs> I lived in the East Village in the eighties and I'm from Baltimore and I went to Brown, but I use those things cause I know them well, but like I didn't live in the East Village with a girlfriend like that. I actually moved there with my boyfriend from college and didn't, you know, the rooster man didn't attack me or anything like that. <laughs> Most of it's made up. John Kennedy Jr. was in my class and it really just colored everything. Like everybody was obsessed with him mm -hmm. and it really kind of blew my mind, I guess, just being all of a sudden like, coming from this world where everybody's dad is a doctor to this place where people are children of movie stars and stuff. And at the same time, you could see that he felt a little uncomfortable. Like he knew everybody was always watching him and everyone was always talking about him. And I 
felt sorry for him in a way, but he seemed like a nice person and a sensitive, thoughtful person. So I don't know. That's why. <laughs> and he wow. seems like kind of the pinnacle of, I guess Phoebe wants to be New York. She, she kind of feels like the other a little bit. And maybe he's the pinnacle of what the aspiration is that she could walk up to him, say hi, be his friend and engage, I guess. Maybe yeah, it's like guess. so close. Like he, he, to her, he seems to live in this world that she doesn't know anything about, that she's so curious about. And if he liked her, and then she could be in that world. And what would that be like? It's like he has the power to open this door. Um, but he doesn't really do that for her. So she goes a little lower and tries Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we did and get a piggyback ride. Right. <laughs> we did talk to talk about That's that a little bit real. when we were pulling together some of our questions. Was uh, I feel like a lot of this, you know, Phoebe's search for identity is based a lot in her feelings of powerlessness mm -hmm. with like her parents and her mom and like she's like pulling away and running away from her mom so much because her like she feels like her mom is smothering and taking this like kind of power of autonomy away from her Carmen is giving her power JF like JFK Jr. is like a key to the power of like he has the power to enter her into this world and it's kind of that you know search for her identity to find her own power within herself more than anything yeah um, I think, you know, she was really um, um, not coddled, isn't the, quite the word, but um, protected. Sheltered. As sheltered, thank you. As a child, her parents were very worrisome and sheltering and she felt so confined by it and she really wants to break out of it. So she overdoes it a little bit. Like she feels like she has to really make it stick. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or she could get sucked back in to the safety that she finds boring, which I understand. Um, I mean, one thing that I was thinking of when I was writing this book was um, the myth of Persephone. You know, Persephone was this little girl who was picking flowers in a field with her mother and Hades, the king of the underworld, kidnaps her and takes her to the underworld. and eventually she becomes the queen of the underworld, then she's allowed to come back. And when I heard that story, I thought, I think when I was 21, I, I wanted to go to the underworld. I wanted to take myself to the underworld. And I think that's what Phoebe's doing. No one has to kidnap her. She's just, she needs to go there. Like we have to grow up somehow. And I think it's like a phase that we have to go through in order to figure out who we are and then be our real selves. We talked about, Georgiana and I talked about that as well. We were um, just kind of going back and forth and talking about, you know, everyone hits that phase in their early 20s. You know, they're not freshmen in college anymore. And it's somewhere in that early 20s era where it's like, I mean, I'm wild and free and I'm gonna do what I want. And, and like, it's kind of like consequences be damned situation where there are no rules, there are no limits. Like you are the wild thing. Yeah, I, you I have mean, to test I, the boundaries. Absolutely. And I, I can see so many things thinking about 
their stories, I'm just like, ooh, I did that. Ooh, I did that. It was kind of a memory lane jolt. Oh yeah. I was like, I definitely get did a cartwheel for attention. Definitely <laughs> did a cartwheel for attention. So I, I think that that was entirely relatable, just in that we all go through that phase and we all feel that. So yeah. thank you for so eloquently writing that for me to jog back to my memories and just like, ooh. Ooh, let's look back at that <laughs> once in a while I have seen a few people say like she still does these crazy things and it's so uh destructive but oh, well I mean, some people don't it's not a good example have you read Great Gatsby <laughs> <laughs> and how is she if she doesn't go through that destruction phase how is she going to get to the responsibility phase of I, I don't know, maybe that's me. Maybe other people have it more together, but I guess for me, the young, wild and free part was like, oh, okay, now it's time to be an adult. I got that out of my system. And so mm -hmm. I kind of think that that's what Phoebe had. This is my time before I become a grown up, before I face everything else that I have to deal with. Right, yeah. Inevitable. I, I definitely agree. Okay, I'll stop rambling. I just loved it. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> um, so we we did a deep dive on your Instagram. Oh. Please, please tell us about <laughs> your sibling tabby cats. Oh, one of them. Oh, she just walked over. Um, they're Lucy and Yoda, named by my stepson. So, I mean, Lucy, I just, like, I might have not have picked the name Yoda myself. <laughs> I literally have a stuffed baby oh my Yoda God. in my office. <laughs> He's not really like Yoda, but um, <laughs> they're really sweet. We adopted them from this guy who rescues cats and has them. He stands in front of the Barnes and Noble on Broadway with these cats in cages saying, like, adopt one of these cats. And there were two of them. They were together. And he said, you can't split them up. They're the last survivors of this litter where I found in a street with the mother who had died. And so we adopted both of them and they're, they're really great. <laughs> I love them. We, we're a sucker for cats. Me too. I love cats. I, we, love them. we love them. And I too <laughs> got uh, taken by the SPCA. It was buy one, get one free day. And so I walked out with, with two cats myself. I couldn't help it. Well, and we do want to close out with our question we ask everyone. Um, what is your go-to book? The one with tattered pages, notes in the margin. What can you read over and over again? I, I like to reread books, so there are a lot of them. But um, the one I'm going to pick is A Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan. Um, it was a little bit an inspiration for Astrid Sees All because it's set in New York and it's a lot of the people in the book work in the music industry and there are a lot of damaged people, kids with like glamorous parents who don't pay enough attention to them and the fallout of that. But one thing I love about it is the structure is amazing. Um, she uses all different kinds of forms all kinds of points of view, like first, second, third. Um, she even has a power, one chapter's in a PowerPoint form, one chapter's in the form of a 
celebrity profile with footnotes telling what's really nice. going on. <laughs> um, and she has these characters, like the first story is about the character and you think that's it for her, but then she pops up in other people's stories and your understanding of everyone deepens as the, you see different parts of their lives. She kind of goes to the past, to the future. Um, and she's really good at explaining like the psychology of these people, how they're deceiving themselves. Like somehow she magically has a story where like there's this, the first chapter is this young woman who's a compulsive shoplifter and it's from her point of view, but somehow Jennifer Egan shows us how she's deceiving herself, even though she's telling us the story, which is like magic to me. I have to figure out how she's doing that. Yeah. And it's really fun to read, which is important to me too. Yeah, so, for sure. Consider oh, me yeah. cool. Oh, there it is. It's very good. I think you would like it. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm so honored that you chose Astrid Cizal for your book, book club. So you were right. Natalie said that there is room for them maybe to be friends again. I still hold to my guns that there's not. But I see hope. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. The author agrees that you're right. I still hold my opinion, but I concede. I concede. I'm not saying that I like to be right, but I like to be right. So Woo-hoo. sorry or not sorry that you're right. Sorry, not sorry that I'm right. <laughs> I can't um. wait to see what she writes. I think it's going to be really interesting now that she's written this age range kind of moving the evolution of how her writing changes as she moves into different age yeah. groups. Very I, cool. I wonder if it's going to be, you know, as poignant and spot on as it was, you know, for this age range, at least in my opinion. For I, Astrid, I, yeah. Right. So I'm excited Agreed. to see what she does. Definitely an author to watch. Um, but yeah, thank you so much to Natalie for coming on the show. We appreciated having you and Definitely can't wait to see what happens next in your career and where Astrid goes from here. And yeah. And stay tuned because we will do our in-depth chat of the book even more so than we already have. But just Laura and I. Mark your calendars, Boozy Book Club for July. We got some fun pairs. Absolutely. We're going to have some great pairs, some wine. Some great chit chat and a playlist, which is exciting. We're going to be making you guys a playlist uh, because just there's so much music in Astrid. So we thought it'd be fun to make our own. So we'll be making a fun reading playlist for you guys based on Astrid. And yeah. So if you have any book suggestions or wine suggestions, you can write us an email at decantberrypod at gmail.com. And we are DeCanterbury Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And head up our website. You can read our blog. You can subscribe to our newsletter. We don't send out very many, so you won't be inundated with emails. But uh, hit our website. It's DeCanterburyTales.com. 
com. Ah, bottoms up. Stay weird.